Salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I'm your host, the Commish. And for many of us, we just witnessed the wrap-up of college basketball Monday night. Of course, we didn't just watch Monday night's game. We saw Sunday night's game with the women's college basketball team and the games that took place in the women's Final Four National Championship. And I want to start by saying congratulations to the Stanford women's basketball team. They pulled off an incredible feat, one that I'm pretty sure they were not favored to win. And they did so in such a way with grace and with style that you have to wonder if Stanford is another team we need to look forward to in the upcoming season. They played a phenomenal game against their conference rivals, the Arizona Wildcats, and Coach Tara Vanderveer wins her third championship. Interesting enough about Tara Vanderveer, what little I know about her is that when I was growing up, when I was at a young age looking to go into college, I was very heavy, very heavy on the Western colleges, the Western universities, all the colleges on the West Coast that I thought I could get myself into. I I remember talking about UCLA. I remember talking about California. I remember talking about Arizona. Stanford came up because it was such a rare school from anybody from our location on the East Coast to have somebody over to the West Coast go to Stanford University. And I remember John Elway being selected by the Colts at the time to be the next quarterback of the organization in the early 80s. So I was very familiar with a lot of those schools. And as far as the reputation the schools had, and I guess when I saw Stanford win and how well the women played, I couldn't help but think, who's the coach of that team? And it just so happens it's still Coach Tara Vanderveer. And, and she has been the epitome of women's basketball for a long time. Her last championship prior to this one was back in 1992. So we're talking nearly 30 years since she's won a championship. And I I was on this mic not too long ago, and I talked about how the men's coaches of today, of this modern era, have so much of an influence because of the fact that they can relate to a lot of these young, talented projects, or or dare I say, these young, talented protégés or uh, standouts, recruits that are coming out of high school, and how they could impact college basketball if they go to the right school, if they find themselves in the right position and situation to succeed on the basketball court. Because I got to believe these coaches of today pretty much can still influence the players of today to be a better fit for college basketball should they decide to stay for three or four seasons. But you think about Tara Vanderveer and the time that she spent with Stanford, and it goes beyond Stanford, but this woman 
has well over a thousand wins in her repertoire, on her resume. She has three championships under her belt now. And she was coach, head coach of the year just last year. It's an outstanding feat for a team that you probably would have overlooked in this tournament because there were so many other teams that had done so well and excelled during the season that was the COVID season. We like to call it the COVID season. But she managed to get her team on track and play an outstanding game against Arizona. And that squad, being the first time in a national championship, was outstanding in itself. But you got to take your hats off to Stanford and for what they've done, because she still proves to a lot of people, to many people, that in spite of how long she's been with the program, it's all about how your players respond to their coach. And I don't want to waste a lot of time. I just wanted to recognize the Stanford women's basketball team in winning the national championship this past weekend. And I want to also give praise to Baylor, University of Baylor, and the Bears of Baylor in their national championship win against a highly favored Gonzaga team. Gonzaga goes into the game undefeated. They have won over 30 games for the season. And I, I got to believe this, this is where things become a little bit more predictable for me. Okay. The commission is going to try to break this down for you because it's, it's the fact that from what I saw from Baylor this past season, there wasn't anything in my mind that gave me pause. They could not go out there and win a national championship. It was just the fact that the road that they had to go to and to go through to get to this point might have been the most difficult. But that's in large part because how long has it been since we've seen Baylor go any further than perhaps the first round or second round of March Madness? And we see how Scott Drew, who is the coach of that Baylor team, they win their first championship, but you look at him and you look at how young he is and you say to yourself, this is what you want from a lot of these organizations and institutions are young coaches manipulating and developing these young projects into becoming outstanding players for the NBA. Every player that comes in there does not have an opportunity to go into the NBA. We all know this. But when you have a coach like a Scott Drew that's been there since 2003, and the way that he gets the response from his players, they came out ripping, ripping and running, as my father, God rest his soul, used to say, ripping and running. They never trailed in that game. They never had an opportunity to fall apart at the seams to let Gonzaga get close to winning that game. They were blowing them out in the first half of that game. And they just kept their foot on the gas. This proves all of one or two things. The first thing it proves that on any given day, anybody can win. Even though we thought Gonzaga was a shoo-in, it's the fact that Baylor still was a team that was overlooked going into this tournament because we thought of so many other teams ahead of Baylor, similar to what we probably thought of Stanford, 
to be able to go out there and execute so well where they were basically the best team in the tournament in spite of Gonzaga's record. Keep in mind, Baylor was 17-0 and at one point before the coronavirus affected that team. They probably had to forfeit one game. They lost another game, so they had two losses under their belt. But that was still a team that came close to winning 30 games themselves. When they went into that game on Monday night, they only had two losses underneath their belt, but they had about 27 wins. We can't discount Baylor for the team that they are because of what we thought we could have seen from Gonzaga and for what they could have accomplished with an undefeated record. And for anybody that's been following sports for how long, how many times we've seen undefeated records go into the major game like a Super Bowl, hint, hint, New England, and come up short? And this is where we are when we're talking about Gonzaga. It's not to say that Gonzaga can't do it next year. I firmly believe that this team, this Gonzaga team, depending on who comes back, has all the opportunity in the world to become a force to be reckoned with again next season. However, keep in mind, there are other teams out there that will stand out in a crowd. And for the Baylor Bears, that's exactly what they did. For that being said, congratulations goes out to Scott Drew and his Baylor Bears. Mind you, I was part of a March Madness fundraiser held by my friend Lindell White and her Faith Girls Project. And interesting enough, this fundraiser deals with the brackets, obviously, of which you pick whoever it is to win. And it was amazing that of the 25 people that might have been playing in this bracket, about maybe 20 people, 19, 20 people picked Gonzaga to win. That might be a slight exaggeration. But it was amazing how many people were convinced that Gonzaga was going to be the team to win. So it just proves to show. For what we see in college basketball, we've seen UCLA pull off the impossible. We've seen Gonzaga roughly pull off what could have been the impossible, winning over 30 games, being undefeated going into that championship game. We've seen Baylor pull off what could have been the impossible as an underdog. And, and so on and so forth in this tournament. And this is what NCAA basketball needs. Outside of the Ivy League not partaking in winter sports this past season, it would have been more fascinating to see other teams have an opportunity at a chance at a championship. But it's just the fact that for where we are now in the 2021, vaccinations are available now. There are schools that won't let students in unless they've been vaccinated. So we're going to see a change in this whole um, system that we have now in college basketball. Where we'll see more healthier, fit, active basketball players ready to take on the grueling wear and tear of the basketball schedule where we probably will see Gonzaga go at it again. We may see UCLA take a run at it this year. We may see Baylor try to repeat again next year. There'll be a lot of constants that will go with what we can expect of college basketball come next year. 
And I got to say, you know, for what I saw for this season, great job. Thumbs up goes to the NCAA basketball tournament and, and the people in charge. The one caveat is that they have to do what's right for the men as well as for the women. There should be equal treatment in how you condition your women in preparation for a tournament, the same as you would the men. That's the only thing I would say that the NCAA slipped up on is that they didn't do more for the women in the tournament. It took somebody to speak up to say what it was that they had for themselves when it came to conditioning and strengthening and the lack of those equipment and, 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 and weights and what have you that they needed. And something had to be done. Voices had to be spoken up to make sure that those things do not exist come next season. We can't see what we just saw this season bleed into next season in preparation for what was one of the major, one of the major basketball tournaments of this year. So says the commish. Again, I want to shout out Lindell White and the Faith Girls Project for the March Madness fundraiser. It was a lot of fun. All the proceeds from that fundraiser would go towards the Susan G. Komen three-day walk that takes place in the fall. So I just want to let everybody know that this is of high importance. This is something that everybody needs to take heed in in the future. Any any questions regarding this, feel free to reach out to the Commission, the Kneel Down podcast. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to go into this second topic for this evening. This is a special episode that concentrated a lot on the basketball tournament, but I also want to touch base on another uh, scenario that has come to the light regarding the all-star game for major league baseball for those that don't know the state of georgia the city of atlanta was supposed to hold this year's all-star game right there in that state however over the last few months we've had a number of politicians fighting feverishly to try to restrict the voting laws that exists in the state of Georgia. What's fascinating about all this is that there is more concern over the voting laws in Georgia outside of the shootings that existed a few weeks ago in the same state. There's more of a voice that needs to be heard regarding how they can restrict these laws from people who have full right to vote during the time that it's necessary to vote. And it seems as though they're working hard and they're working fast to make sure that certain people will not get an opportunity to vote or they will deter or alter whatever methods there are to allow people to vote in that state. Namely, in the city of Atlanta, Major League Baseball saw this and said, no way. We cannot support a system like this, a political system, where they are deliberately trying to find new ways to tamper with voting. 
So however this unfolds for the state of Georgia, it's a black eye on politics, but it becomes a bigger platform for sporting events to step up and say, we can't allow this. It's been almost a year since people have roamed the streets in protests for black lives that matter throughout the country, not just Georgia. And we saw what the number of men and women did to make the statement that for what you've done to this point with all the men and women, be it black men and women that you've killed over the course of time, it's the fact that you have not given us any particular reason to give us any type of, of conclusion or to give us any type of resolution to feel comfortable knowing that this police force, that this legal system that we've put together is going to be in any sense of safety for the men and women that exist throughout the country, that we can leave any location and not feel the threat of any type of police brutality or harassment in whatever situation there is, should you be going home, should you be reporting to work, whatever it is, it's the fact that black lives matter when you decide to take it upon yourself to kill unarmed, innocent black men and women. And so here we are about a year later, and we're talking about restricting voting laws because of the work of the men and women, preferably black men and women, that took it upon themselves to make sure that all citizens within the state of Georgia had an opportunity to vote, regardless of how flawed the system was, regardless of how things were set up to allow people an opportunity just to vote. It's the fact that the Stacey Abrams of the world took it upon herself to make sure that all citizens of Georgia had an opportunity to vote and that they were able to vote on top of giving the opportunity. They were able to vote to allow two Democrats from that state an opportunity to be in Congress. But the problem with Georgia is they can't accept the fact that we have now created a system that works for the people that didn't have a voice before to be able to speak up and say what it is that they want. They don't like it. They're not happy with that. But then Major League Baseball took it upon themselves and said, hey, listen, you can't do that to the American citizen. You can't do that to people that have the right to vote. And so they decided to move the all-star game from Atlanta to Denver. Now, regardless of what the laws are in Denver, I heard stories throughout the day over the last few days that said that the laws in Denver, Colorado, are very similar to the ones in Atlanta, Georgia. So be it. We don't know. It's the fact that in the state of Colorado, we don't know if they're trying to silence the citizens that have been living in the state of Colorado for all this time with regards to voting. It's the fact that you have the right to vote. You have the right to say what it is you don't like about that particular city or perhaps that particular state. 
We don't know if Colorado is trying to silence the men and women that deserve an opportunity. And because we don't know of this, we're not going to sit here and try to figure out which city they should have this all-star game in. It's the fact that you commend Major League Baseball for taking a stand. The same way we saw the NFL take a stand this time last year. The same way we saw the NBA take a stand this time last year. We commend these professional sporting outages, these professional sporting organizations for taking a stand for these things, these particular issues that involve politics, because someone needs to take the stand in helping us amplify the voice so that it stands out loud enough, strong enough to make the point that everyone that has the right to vote do so. The only concern that I have about this may be small. It might be minute to others. But what I feel like needs to be said is the fact that when you're thinking about what Major League Baseball has done in this case, you see everybody else is taking a stand in Georgia. You see how Major League Baseball is taking a stand. You commend them. Why can't the same be done with the Masters? Why can't the same be done with NBA? And the fact that the NBA held a, a, a all-star weekend there anyway, in spite of what the players didn't want to do, it really makes you wonder how much politics has really interfered with sports as a whole. Because we also understand that it's not about what people say, even within the sport. It doesn't make a difference what the, what, the, what the athletes believe in basketball. They have a voice, but they don't have enough power to say we're not going to be playing basketball this day or this weekend because there's people in this state not given the right to vote. Whether they knew of this or not, the Masters, they have their players their golf players come out and speak highly on, on what Major League Baseball has done. And be it a noble act or not, it's still the fact that they're still going to play the Masters in Georgia. So why not speak harder, louder, strong against something like this? Against an issue that is not going to go away anytime soon. Because when it's time to take that platform, this is what you're expecting from these athletes to speak out on. The fact that we don't have to sit back and take this all in and, 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 and try to find the good that comes with holding back from playing basketball or golf in that state. It's probably best we speak out on things of this nature to send the message that we have to acknowledge the men and women that have fought hard to give them to give themselves an opportunity, the right to vote there in the state of Georgia. I want to see more work come out of Atlanta. And, and I'm not just pointing at football and basketball and golf to be the voices of reason. These politicians that are fighting 
hard to make sure that these people don't vote. There's got to be other politicians there that are going against them, that are fighting against the opposition to allow these people an opportunity to do just that. And we want to see the results. We want to see that something be done about it. So can we feel comfortable about something like this down the road? We hope so. But this is where the masters needs to take a better stand for the people that are fighting for their rights to vote and the NBA for that matter. We got to do more. These organizations need to do more. So says the commission. I didn't want to go long into this. I really wanted to give college basketball their due. But when it comes to things of this nature where it becomes political, when you talk about sports and there's political events that somehow interfere with sports or intervene with sports. This is why this podcast is so significant because it's those moments that it it takes here and now on this show to be able to recognize what these topics are all about and how important they are for the people that are listening or for the people that play every day or play once a year in the Masters. This is something that we can't overlook anymore. This is something that needs a standing voice to be recognized across the world on how we should allow other people the opportunity to vote. With that being said, I want to thank everybody for listening to this show. I want to thank those that partook in the March Madness fundraiser with the Faith Girls Movement. I'm looking forward to doing more with football in the next few days, but sometimes I feel like I got to speak out on things like this just to make a point. And I really do hope I've made my point clear for all those that are listening this evening. I say thank you again from the bottom of my heart for what you people have done for me, listening for my shows. I truly appreciate it. Again, this is the commission. Peace and love to all those out there. I'm out.